Good morning. Good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, here with you live and local on a Tuesday, February 27th. We're always available for free on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. And just search 910 The Fan to hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk. You can rewind to hear the sports junkies. Michael Phillips from 10 to noon. I'm 12 to 3 with Grant and Danny on your afternoon drive from 3 to 6 p.m. But you guys know how we like to start the show every day by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world. And we'll begin with some NFL offseason news here on the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, are you serious? Wi Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The Sports App. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will release Shaquille Barrett. Interesting piece that will be released here. I saw Commanders fans. Some of them were interested. Some of them weren't interested as free agency around the corner, NFL draft around the corner, and the Commanders amidst the craziest offseason of the past 20 years. We also have been talking about the franchise tag deadline of March 5th. Well, sources have come out. Unlikely that running backs will get tagged. Josh Jacobs... On the Vegas Raiders, Saquon Barkley, the New York Giants, both of them, presumably, will become free agents over the next few weeks. Michael Phillips and I were just talking about which free agent running back would we be interested in Washington going after. I like Austin Eckler. He threw out there, throw some money towards King Henry, Derek Henry. Yes, free agency will be coming up soon. Let's move over to the NBA on the Sports app. And we begin with the Raptors-Pacers game. That was an excellent game last night. Checked it out for a few minutes as Scotty Barnes had himself a game against the Indiana Pacers. Now, Tyrese Halliburton has not been playing good basketball since the All-Star break. He couldn't hit a shot. He couldn't even hit a free throw as the Raptors took advantage. Scotty Barnes got his fourth triple-double of the season, and the Raptors defeat the Pacers 130-122. to Here's the call on TSN 1050. Olenek to inbound, gets it to quickly. Back to Olenek, to Barnes underneath. Scotty jams it down, and he's fouled. 129-122 Toronto. All right, Knicks-Pistons, that was insane what happened in the final few moments. It was chaotic, and it led to a Knicks victory. Now, look, this is a Pistons team coached by Monty Williams that are obviously in for the tank. They're the worst team in basketball. Yeah, they're actually worse than your Washington Wizards. They can't win a game. Even when they try to win, it just doesn't go their way. I'll take. A, I'll have you guys take a listen to the final play but let uh, let me know. Pistons coach Monty Williams is very upset, and they will be asking the NBA to review the footage here. Take a listen to the call on ESPN. Rebound deflected, chased down, saved by Grimes to Fontecchio. Knocked away, Hardenstein picks it up. Out to DiVincenzo. Ten seconds to go, he throws it away. Ball loose, picked up by Brunson. Brunson inside the heart. Hearts banks it in. And a foul. Knicks take the lead. 
So Josh Hart gets the go-ahead and one basket there. But in case you didn't see it, Jalen Brunson misses. DiVincenzo grabs the loose ball. It's a fight for it on the ground. At one point during the fight for the ball, it looked like the Pistons got fouled. No call. They play on. DiVincenzo throws it away to the Pistons. The guard takes two dribbles up the court, and it looks like he got undercut by DiVincenzo. He slips on the court, falls down, fumbles the ball. Brunson picks it up, throws it to Josh Hart for the and one basket. I just watched it three times thinking, how did the refs not blow the whistle? The Pistons got fouled two or three times on the play. Here's Monty Williams after the game, not happy with the result. The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've we've done it the right way. <clears throat> we've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game. <clears throat> and the guy dove into Asar's legs. And there was a no call. He dove into our legs and there was a no call. And Yeah, I mean, I'm sure... All of the Pistons fans that were watching were thinking the same thing. How is that possible? How did the crew miss that? How did they make that mistake? It's just, it's puzzling here. And and look, again, this is a Pistons team that seems to be trying to lose on purpose games. But this one, it was the refs not helping them out whatsoever. Uh, I mean, if you watch that replay, it's just hard to believe that that's what happened. The referees have now come out, Stubb, and you know what they said? They admitted that they missed the foul. The refs have now come out and admitted that they missed the foul. As Monty Williams says, the absolute worst call of the season. Yeah, seems about right there. Terrible missed call in the NBA. Let's talk a little college hoops here on the Sports App. As tonight, the Hokies will be back in action against Syracuse. Last night, ACC hoops. You had a good one between number nine, North Carolina, and Miami. North Shadow Mir played one of the, his best games of the season. Brian Joseph finishes with 21 points and six rebounds. But R.J. Davis was just too damn good. 42 points, six rebounds, four steals as the Tar Heels defeat the U 75 to 71. Here's the final call on Learfield. George still trying to inbound. Gets it to Watson. Carolina going to let Watson heave it up. It is no good. And the Tar Heels survive in the Smith Center tonight. A career night for R.J. Davis. 42 points and a couple of big free throws for Jalen Withers in the final seconds. Allows Carolina to get out of here with a win. When you have a scorer like that in R.J. Davis, plus a big man down low in Amondo Baycott, North Carolina absolutely could make a run to win the ACC title in Washington, D.C., and could be Final Four bound. That's how good they are in the NCAA tournament. Other top 25 college hoops last night, you had number 16 Baylor against TCU in a tightly contested Big 12 matchup. Baylor is victorious 62 to 54 here is their leading scorer with a big dunk on Learfield gets the ball away to Jaden Nunn on the perimeter for the Bears back to Ray J Dennis eight to shoot Ray J Dennis spins on Anderson drives to the left wow. side paid underneath wow. to Macy for another dunk Macy finished with 16 points leading all scorers 
for Baylor. Love hearing Jaden Nunn in that call. Uh, he's had a ton of success this season after transferring from BCU to Baylor. Over to the NHL on the Sports app. Every day on the Sports app, we track Alex Ovechkin's hunt for history. The great eight chasing the great one, Wayne Gretzky's career, 894 goals. The Russian machine that never breaks, that is Alex Ovechkin, has 838 career goals, needs 56 to tie Gretzky, 57 to become the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. He had 16 minutes and 37 seconds on the ice last night, but failed to score or have a shot attempt on goal. The good news? The Caps have now won two in a row, winning this one 6-3. to three. Here is the goal that gave the Caps a 3-2 lead. Caps restart for their own zone. Pacioretty enters on the left side, and against Travis Hamannick, fires it low. Scarbosa getting time on a man advantage here. Back to Pacioretty, his shot, he scores! Max Pacioretty keeps it low, gets it through Forsberg. It's another power play goal. It's 3-2 Washington. So the Caps would give up a goal and then extend their lead in the third period with a LaPierre goal. And here's the call once again on WJFK. It's now moving to the right circle, teeing up and fanning on it was Hamannick. And the Capitals on the break, a two-on-one maybe. LaPierre coming. He's got help with him across to Sandine. Back to LaPierre and he scores! His second goal of the game! Caps win 6-3. to three. And, of course, with the OV tracker, you have a chance to see him in action tonight. We'll see if OV can get goal number 839 for his career as the Caps face off against the Detroit Red Wings tonight. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We'll talk local sports in Richmond, Virginia with Lane Casadante at 2 p.m. We'll bring up Peter King's farewell article where he mentions the commander's and his thoughts for the future at 1 p.m. on the Richmond Commander. It's Mike Barber to talk a little AC hoops at 12.30 on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show. We want to make this the most interactive radio show possible. 833-804-0910. If you're too busy at your desk job to call in, tweet us. Your thoughts at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. If it's a good tweet, we'll read it on air. We've got a lot to get to on the show today here on a Tuesday, February 27th, ahead of tomorrow's show. I'm pumped to go back to school. I'll be broadcasting live from the Student Commons at VCU ahead of their home game against Rhode Island. So I'm looking forward to that on Wednesday. But Mike Barber talk ACC hoops today. Lane Casadante to talk about local sports here in Richmond, Virginia. And even we're going to catch up with Matt Valdez from the Sports Junkies for uh, uh, an interesting debate at 1.30. But right now, we bring in Michael Phillips. MP on the mic can be heard from 10 to 12 noon for a little crosstalk. Stub, can I hear the crosstalk sounder? If I could just have your attention. It's Crosstalk with Adam Epstein and Michael Phillips on the fan. It's like that 190s movie that everybody loved. What's the name of that movie? It's not Crosstalk, but it sounds like Crosstalk. It's Crosstalk on the fan. Oh, Face Off with Travolta and Nick Cage. But this is Crosstalk. 
All right, so I want to go back to the court storming conversation because yeah. it's still a thing now that's being talked about. Now, we have seen that uh, Kyle Filipowski, he's going to play. He's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. All right, so we could, you know, we can, we can, we don't need to talk about John Shire saying court storming needs to be canceled. But Wake Forest, I believe, should have to forfeit the game because of the fact that the students were on the court with 0.7 seconds left. Well, it just was, and part of the problem is these schools, and I, this isn't a generalization here because the RMC events people are very good locally, but you're not, these aren't like police officers. You know, a lot of schools just have guys making 11 bucks an hour standing in a, in a you know, right vest there and when something happens they're not jumping into action they're backing down right they don't get paid enough to deal with that stuff yeah they don't have a plan they don't know what to do with it they just let it let it on through and the one take that i did not like was that uh, i saw some people saying that filipowski should have left the court with more of a sense of urgency Mm-mm. that's just not a good take at all because well, you have to stay on the court until the game ends until like, the game hits full zeros yes we, I do not want a world where basketball players leave with 10 seconds left on the clock because they're worried about what will happen 10 seconds later yeah. like yeah if, if you want to say 30 seconds after the end of the game then the, then the students can come down sure if a player's still out there after 30 seconds that's on them but if you want to say with .6 of a second remaining he should anticipate somebody coming at him no the basketball game is still being conducted at that time so do you think that the ACC should go as hard as I'm saying on Wake and make them forfeit the game well they're not going to do that because Wake's a bubble team in the tournament you want to get as many teams in the tournament as you can so I, I think that's why they won't do it I don't have a problem with that solution though I would say this I would want it communicated in advance, right? Going forward, Mm. if anybody's on the court sooner than 20 seconds after the conclusion of a game, a forfeit is available to us as a remedy. I would like to speak with an actual NCAA official, a referee on this, get a zebra's take, because I know for a fact that when VCU played, I want to say like at St. Joe's or something. George Washington with the point point four of a second left. And the fans ran on the court. We ended up winning the game. Yes. So... Why was a technical not called in that game? Is it because it was a four-point game, or is it the refs just completely botched it? Well, I, I think they thought the game was over. I don't think they knew what was going on, right? Because mm. in that game... But wouldn't you go to the scores table, though, and watch a replay and see, hey, half the student section is on the court with still point four, point five left? I think they were gone at that point. They were in the tunnel. They were out of there. They were worried they about were, their own safety. They were done, though. <laughs> yeah, they were out of there. Yeah. Uh, I am totally fine with making the proclamation, though. Look... At the game ends, and if anybody's on the court before the clock hits zero, 15 seconds, the forfeit's in play. I got yeah. no problems. I think that's a good solution. Because it's a technical foul for sure, and at that point, you're not bringing the players back onto the court to shoot the no. technicals, no. so you just have to make them forfeit. The it's game. just over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you lose at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, could you get a situation where... Yeah, I guess it would just be too hard to remove everybody from the court and do it. Yeah. Probably. Well, my, what I'm saying, my point is, is that you know, yesterday most of my show, my take was it's on security, and I still believe the security in Wake Forest botched it by not ha- being prepared. But I also think the refs are part to blame there because they they need to be blowing whistles like crazy. What are they doing swallowing the whistle at that moment? Yeah, I don't want the refs in the crowd control business, but I do want them in the conducting the basketball game business. Right. And there was still a basketball game to be conducted there. Yes, uh, yes. For sure. I, I think by putting a forfeit in play, the schools get after it. The, the schools handle it a lot better. Because a lot of it is the schools saying, like, ah, you know, we, we do our best. Like, I think you'd do better if you knew a forfeit was in play. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's just... You know, this is why I said yesterday, Wake didn't expect to win that game. That was part of the issue. Sure, but... (laughs) 
you should know that if you win that game, the kids are coming. Yeah. Like, that should not have come as a surprise day. Yeah. Anytime you play Duke, if, if like, Marymount State A&M plays Duke, there needs to be a pregame briefing. What happens if we win? Even if you think you're going to lose by 100, you need to have a plan. Absolutely. And uh, it's just kind of funny because when it comes to VCU basketball, uh, we don't storm courts. The last time I believe the Rams stormed the court, I said it was the 2012 CA tor- uh, title game. That is correct. The last time they did it at home was when I believe Jeff Capel came back with Oklahoma. Wow. They were, they were fresh off of an Elite Eight appearance. Um, if they had beaten UVA that time UVA came in, um, when, when UVA was really good, I think that would have been one, potentially. Yeah, I stormed the court at UVA when Travion Graham hit the cold-blooded three-pointer. Nice. <laughs> Only guy on the court. Just I said, you know what? I'm media. Let me step out there. <laughs> I, I did a whole bit as a student media where I, I pretended to shoot the same shot as Travion. Nice. nice. <laughs> That's um, a bit. Yeah, I, there just aren't a lot of games where you'd say that you'd say qualify or rise to that level. And part of this is, and I talk about this on my show all the time, they have to fix this net formula, the RPI, the net, whatever yeah. you're using. You have have to reward going to play mid-major teams at their arena. That is good for college basketball. This system right now where you're rewarded for ducking them is bad for college basketball. Absolutely. Hot take there. That, hot well, take. It's not that hot when no, you look no, at the no, Big no. 12. I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to get the 12 teams in the tournament. If it's, you look at crazy. that, if you look at that and you see the Big 12 manipulate the system by only playing teams in the bottom tier, what are you going to do next year? Right. Everybody's going to do that. You have to fix it, and you have to fix it urgently. Well, it's just kind of funny also that, like, I, I swear last week, TCU was ranked. Texas Tech was ranked. BYU was ranked. What happened to all their ranked teams? <laughs> it, it, like, it, it's one of those things where what you do in November, like, just sets the tone for everything that happens after that, even when we all can see completely obviously it's not true anymore. Yeah. What do you think is the best conference in college hoops right now? Well, that's the problem, right? You think it you think it probably is the Big 12 in terms of who's going to have the 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 most success in March. Um I look, you you just can't put any stock into what the Big 10 is doing well, also, given how hard they've fallen on their face in previous marches. Yeah, and then you have to talk about, you know, what is success in March? Is it one school, UConn winning the title last year? Does that mean that was the most success for the Big East? Because I would say you have two schools in the Big East that I think could make Final Four runs in UConn and Marquette this year. No question. Um, Houston obviously being a part of the Big 12 is a big part of this success that we're talking about. Uh, UNC and Duke I mean, is back. That game's relevant again. I love that so much that we're going to get excited for that here in a couple weeks. Uh, It's a very balanced field this year in college sports. I mean, if you want to make a case for you know three or four conferences, I think you could. Uh, Love seeing the Mountain West have some success. I I wouldn't mind you making the case for the SEC. I've said multiple times, Tennessee's fourth-ranked right now. They're the best defensive team I've seen play. Alabama's the best offensive team, most people are saying. Uh, Coach Nate Oates is just cruising with that squad. Auburn is surprising people. South Carolina is excellent again. Haven't even Florida's said ranked, yet. and we haven't even talked about Kentucky, and they might be the most talented team in that conference. The problem is they're just not a team right now. They're a bunch of individuals. That's If you're talking about teams, conferences that are maybe going to overachieve their seedings, that's a great one to pick from, right? Because the Big 12 teams are going to be overseeded. Big 10 teams are going to lose. I could see the SEC teams producing the most upsets in March. For now sure. let's get to the Atlantic 10. Before the season, I predicted this would be a two-bid league, and uh, I feel pretty good about yeah. it being a two-bid league. Yeah. I, I don't think Dayton can lose themselves out of the tournament. Do you? No, no. No matter what happens from here on out, unless it's a full-on, like, 
they lose their last well, four. They could lose to VCU again and to Loyola Chicago again. That would probably put them outside of the top 25, but still I one of the 35 best teams in the country. I think they're still in. Right, yeah. I still think they're in. Richmond kind of is out on the outside looking in now. And Loyola Chicago, even if they win out, it's not going to be enough. They're going to need to win the conference tournament. So it feels like it's Dayton plus the winner of the league. I would agree with that, and I think there's nothing wrong with being a two-bid league. You, you don't want to be a one-bid league. That That's kind of a mark of shame. Love to have three. Um, this could be a, a strong NIT bid year for the a It could. A lot of good NIT candidates. Let me so. throw this out there, all right? Dayton is into the NCAA tournament. We both agree with that. They're yeah. currently ranked number 21. Yeah. Say the Spiders, the one seed, makes it to... Sunday, VCU moves up to the three seed. They make it to Sunday. VCU wins. Does Richmond get in as a last minute? Hey, they got a lot of good wins. They made it to Sunday. They lost to VCU. Would you put the Spiders in? Probably not, but I think that's the A-10's fault. I think you probably need to have some sort of variable scheduling in place here because they were given a last place A-10 schedule this year. They weren't given opportunities to improve their resume because everybody thought they would be bad, right? VCU has those opportunities. Dayton has those opportunities. UR hasn't had those opportunities. You need some sort of mechanism in place where if a team gets good, you can say, hey, let's let's throw a little more uh, a little more Loyola on their plate. Let's let's give them a little more Dayton down the stretch. Yeah, and in 2025-2026, it will be a 14-team conference. Do you think the A-10 should add teams with UMass leaving? No, no need to panic here. It's a good conference. It's on solid footing. Uh, if there's a team that adds value... I'm here. I'm all ears. I'll listen to it. Uh, I think you would be hard-pressed. I heard Charleston talk yesterday. That doesn't do anything for me. No. Uh, are you going to give me a team that I get excited about that I feel adds something here to the pile? I actually am going to give the A-10 credit, and I don't do this very often. I, I think they had foresight, forward thinking, when they added Loyola Chicago. Because there was some talk about UMass leaving for a few years now. Yeah. You know, that was your response. Yeah. Hey, you're losing UMass. Look at Loyola Chicago in year two. They're in second place. I also feel it's nice to have an even number. Maybe that's just me saying that no, here. Like, I'm with you. Like opening day, everybody plays. You closing know what was a day, great even plays. number? It was 16 NFL games. Whatever happened to the good times? Yeah, 16. I mean, they, they and they're talking about going to 18. No, that's more games at the end of the season nobody wants. <laughs> like, that weeks, week 18 in the NFL has turned into just garbage football. Like, right. no, nobody, there's like two games that matter, and everybody else starts Jacoby Brissett's. <laughs> there's no, no, no juice there at all. That's Michael Phillips from MP on the mic. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM and starting to look like March and smell like March. And we are just three days away from the beginning of March and less than three weeks away from conference tournaments. The ACC will be up in Washington, D.C. I'll be up in Brooklyn, New York for the A-10 tournament, hoping the Rams can win three games in four days like they did last year to be A-10 conference champions. Good uh, matchups in the top 25 tonight uh, in the Big 12. You have Cincinnati at Houston. We'll see if Houston can stay number one. Kentucky goes on the road to Mississippi State. Davidson is at number 21. Dayton and BYU, I know Michael Phillips is fired up for that one. BYU will be at Allen Fieldhouse facing off against the Kansas Jayhawks. But joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, it's Mike Barber. What's going on, Mike? 
Good to talk to you. We're uh, we're in full go here with uh, heading towards March Madness. Absolutely. And, of course, Mike, you do the Teal and Barber podcast. Before we get into the ACC, have you and David Teal talked about the article that he wrote about a month ago? I believe it's 14 years in a row there have been at least two schools from the state of Virginia. Who's most likely this year to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, you know, I still think that, that Virginia is, is kind of the lead dog there. I think they're in in a position where they can still play their way out of it <laughs> with a, a, a bad loss down the stretch to, to either Boston College or Georgia Tech. Uh, but I think Virginia clearly is there. And then you look at uh, Richmond and VCU, I, I think either one of those teams could go and win the conference tournament, which, mm-hmm. which obviously puts them in. Uh, so it's right away, those are the ones you think of. It'll be interesting to see what, what Liberty is still able to put together in its postseason. It's been a little bit of a a ragged adjustment for them going into a new conference, but I think certainly Virginia right now is is the horse you're riding. Yeah, I, I think the other one I'd throw out there is I, I feel pretty good about James Madison Dukes. They've got to most likely win the Sun Belt Conference, but I, do you think there's any shot that JMU gets a call if they maybe make it to the finals and lose based off of their out-of-conference? It'll be interesting. Certainly the, the Michigan State win wasn't just about their resume, it was about putting their, their name in people's minds early in the year, and I do think they've stuck there. I think ultimately they're going to have to win the conference tournament, and I'm, I'm not a bracketologist, but as you look at the nation, it just feels like there are a lot of teams um, that are going to be vying for those spots. Some years it's a thin field, and you're thinking, okay, who might sneak in? And some years you're thinking, geez, there's going to be some good teams left out. I tend to think we're headed more towards some good teams being left out. So if I'm JMU, I try to take care of business in the conference tournament. Who would you argue is the best conference this season in men's college hoops? You know, that's a good question. It's so hard to, to cross-judge. And even when people want to talk about the Big 12 and then ACC proponents want to talk about the fact that the ACC was 9-3 and three against the Big 12. Yeah. And then you dive in deeper and you look at some of those matchups and you say, okay, that wasn't the best Big 12 teams, right? So it really is, uh, it really is hard to kind of cross-check that at, at this point. It's going to be interesting to see because the argument the ACC makes year in, year out is that when you get to the tournament and you're testing the ACC's best against everyone else's best, that's where they excel. So we look at North Carolina and Duke as as top 10 teams. We look at some of those Big 12 programs as top five programs. Is that going to hold up come tournament time? Yeah, you know, I actually think I'd probably ride with the SEC. I I keep saying I love the Volunteers defensively. They've got shooters around the outside. Alabama could score almost 100 points a game. You've got Kentucky. South Carolina's really good this year. SEC has some really decent teams. Right now they have six in the top 25. Tennessee certainly grabbed our attention the other night, beating uh, Buzz Williams and A&M by 35 points. Um, so certainly, yeah, I think the SEC, it's another question, though, of, you know, we look at Virginia beat Florida. Now, Florida's playing much better later in the year than, than they've been a little up and down. Texas A&M, Virginia beat them at the time. We thought, wow, that's going to be a huge win. It, and the SEC, is it so good that it's kind of eating itself, and that's why Florida and A&M are where they are? Or was it maybe a little overrated? It, it really is, even with these challenges, right, like the ACC, Uh, SEC or the ACC back when they did the Big Ten, it was such a snapshot, and it was such an early season snapshot. And uh, you know, teams are very different right now as we head towards March than they were in November and December when a lot of the big 
cross matchup games go down. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see some of these matchups when we get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I really think with the ACC, the seedings are going to shake up a lot over the next few weeks before we get to the tournament in Washington, D.C. I mean, with the two losses, Virginia's kind of holding on to that three spot right now. They don't want to drop to four or even worse, get to five. Virginia Tech has to try to climb the standings over the next few weeks here, and it's a big one tonight at Syracuse. What's your preview? Yeah, I really like the way Syracuse is playing here down the stretch. Virginia Tech's just been very up and down. Um, I thought they were just magnificent the way they demolished Virginia, uh, particularly defensively, uh, the way they hounded on the ball, the way they took away freedom of movement without the ball, the way they guarded on the perimeter. Um, and then against Pittsburgh, none of that was, was really there. So um, it's been another, and I don't mean to knock Mike Young for this, but it just seems like this team has been very inconsistent the last couple of years, and, and that's still where we're at. And Syracuse, on the other hand, I think is starting to find itself. It's been interesting to see Adrian Autry kind of go back and play a little more zone, right? He had switched things up when yeah. he took over from Jim Dayheim. Uh, so I like Syracuse in that one, but but I think it's I think Syracuse feels like a team that can still put things together here down the stretch. Virginia Tech, what I saw against UVA, you'd say the same thing, but I just have no confidence that they can do that night in, night out. You know, we were talking about the ACC tournament the other day uh, with a couple UVA fans, and I got laughed at for saying, I like Clemson's chances to win the ACC tournament because Hall can actually defend Armando Baycott, and they've got decent guard play. What do you think in their matchup tonight? They're hosting Pittsburgh. Yeah, I just like Clemson in general. I think their inside-outside game with, with P.J. Hall inside, uh, Joe Girard and Hunter on the outside, I think they always defend well under Brad Brownell. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches, uh, certainly in the ACC, maybe in the country. Uh, you know, I, I think Clemson, I think any of those top four would be a, a pretty safe pick. Virginia, maybe not because of their inability to shoot the ball, their, their struggles with free throws. That can get you beat in a tournament setting. Uh, but Clemson, Wake Forest, I, I think right there when, when you're talking about that mix. When you ask about the matchup with Pittsburgh, now that's intriguing because Pittsburgh's another team that, much like the arc that we thought Virginia was on, has found itself later in the year. I love what Jeff, Jeff Capel's doing there. Uh, Henson is the kind of player who can take over a game. So uh, there are some matchups, and, and I, hope, I hope it gets recognized as Clemson-Pittsburgh is a good game. And whoever wins that deserves some credit for that, as opposed to the narrative sometimes if you have an unranked team beat a ranked team in the ACC, it, it means the ACC's ranked team is weak. I don't buy that. I mean, if you're talking about Syracuse, that's a quality opponent. You're talking about Pittsburgh, that's a quality opponent. So I, I think there are some teams beyond that top four or five that don't get the respect maybe that they deserve. Right, and Pittsburgh can jump Clemson in the standings. Both teams are 9-7, and seven, and that's what's so interesting about tonight's matchups. You also have NC State 9-7 and seven against Florida State 8-8. Eight and eight. So, you know, a big win for Florida State could push them up to maybe sixth. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I asked Tony Bennett and Mike Young about, you know, just the grind of the season, and you're getting to that point of the season where it's been a long year. And they both pointed out there's so much room to move up and down if you play poorly uh, in the ACC standings in terms of seed line projections for the NCAAs. So many teams in the ACC have something to play for over the next two weeks. And I think that's going to, one, improve the level of basketball. Um, and I think it's going to make it a lot of fun to watch. 
It's Mike Barber with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, ACC writer for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Read his work, richmond.com. Follow him on Twitter at RTD underscore Mike Barber. Who would you vote for ACC Player of the Year? Oh, I think R.J. Davis is the guy. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> easy to say that right now, coming right. off that 42-point <laughs> game. That was magnificent. But he's he's been magnificent all year. I think his defense is underappreciated. Um, he's a good good all-around player and his scoring ability is electric um, to me he's the best player on the best team in the conference um, he's able to take over games for them um, I was really impressed with Reese Beekman's defense on Davis when they played but overall if you look at his game logs there aren't many off nights for him uh, to me he's your guy and lastly here's a curveball for you ACC women's player of the year that's interesting because we just got finished recording the, the podcast and we were just talking about what Liz Kitley has been able to do. And uh, David brought up uh, a comparison of her to Dirk Nowitzki uh, <laughs> and some of the some of the shots and the body leans. And and to me, she is um, to me she is the dominant player in the ACC. Uh, maybe one of the you know certainly one of the dominant players in the nation. And you know to see her come back because this team has a chance to do something special, which, hey, they did something special last year, and they believe they can take it a step further. Uh, I thought the outpouring at College Game Day uh, on Sunday for her senior day and, and Georgia Amore uh, was awesome. So um, I'm a little bit of a home state homer, I guess, but I'm going to ride with Liz Kitley. No, I love that. I love how David said Dirk Nowitzki. I've been saying she's Ms. Fundamental, Tim Duncan. I like it. Yeah, I think those work. And it, both of those guys are just people who you can be in the right place defensively and they can still score over. You still score against you, whether it's the step back or the bank shot. And um, that's a part of her game that, that is so valuable in building that tech program is her consistency. And um, that's the skill set you need to be a consistent scorer. And then can we call Georgia Amor the Australian uh, Tony Parker? <laughs> yeah, I think that's quite the pairing. And you know, like I said, the two, the two of them have just been so special on and off the court for Virginia Tech. The way they engage with fans uh, has really helped build that program. But ultimately, you know, what are the fans coming to see? They're coming to see winning. And then those two have been winning at such a high level. Mike, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. There's been a lot of talk about uh, the NL- NIL era over the last few years. Name, image, and likeness. Well, you will not believe what this one college athlete will receive for playing football this season. That story's coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, just after 1245 here on a Tuesday, February 27th, live and local here in Richmond, Virginia. We've got the Richmond Commander coming up at 1 p.m. Peter King's farewell article speaks about the future of the NFL and quarterback starters for 2024. You'll want to hear who he thinks will be the starting quarterback for the Commanders next season. We'll go around the NFL on NFL Hits at 1.15. Lane Casadante at 2 p.m. to talk local sports here in Richmond, Virginia. But you heard me tease it during the break there. An NIL deal just blew my mind that was offered. Uh, the story came out yesterday. Air Dart is now a reality. You ask me, who's Air Dart? What is Air Dart? Well, it's Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart signing a deal with 
Nicholas Ayer, creating the first such partnership with a college football player in history. Yep, you heard that right. Heisman candidate for Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, will have an endorsement deal that provides him an air fleet of jets for travel. He's getting his own private fleet. jet. This is real. <laughs> Nicholas Ayer is a private aviation company headquartered headquartered in Oxford, Mississippi. They have signed an endorsement deal with the quarterback. Now, he's a good quarterback. Last year, he threw for 3,364 yards, 23 touchdowns, just five interceptions. Ole Miss went 11-2, and uh, they're bringing a lot of guys back, and he's certainly a Heisman candidate, a legit Heisman candidate, all right? The team's never won 11 games in program history uh, before, so that was the first time they've done that, and they have a ton of returning standouts. So there's obvious that there's going to be a lot of attention paid to Ole Miss football this year, but an NIL deal that includes a private jet is just unbelievable. The next thing you know, we're going to be giving 18-year-old kids their own country. Or a private island. So is this kid going to fly to away games while his team rides the bus? He's going to fly to wherever the hell he wants, right? And here's the thing that people are saying. He might get the jet for free, but he still has to pay taxes on it. Yeah. You know, that's going to come as a surprise to a lot of kids. And that's kind of my thing with the NIL heiress. Are we really teaching them how to use their money wisely or are we just throwing cash in their face and saying hey play for my university it seems like we're setting this kid up for failure yes and it's not just him it's kids all over the country and that's my issue with the nil era here is that it's like inmates running the asylum there are no rules there are no rules just do whatever you want. Create a collective. Have some billionaire buy you a basketball team to make it to the Final Four. It makes no sense. And and that look, I've always believed that an education is worth the money. I mean, it's pretty damn good to get a scholarship, Stub. Wouldn't that you would have be been, nice. wouldn't you, been... Your parents have been excited if you said, yeah, I'm playing kicker for the football team. Yeah, my student loan building up interest sitting over there. Right. <laughs> Don't I mean, like looking at we're it. Talking about, like, <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> 40000 to 80000 in-state or out-of-state for you to get a full ride scholarship but now you're getting that money plus 150,000 plus 400,000 if you go to LSU plus a million if you go to Miami plus now the old miss starting quarterback is going to get a damn jet plus 600 in a video game right right <laughs> it's just it's crazy uh you know you have to police this and it's why guys like Nick Saban are retiring it's why yeah. coach K retired it's why you're seeing all these big name college coaches just move on. Just move on. They're just done with this. Because here's the thing, and I've been talking about this because I had a great conversation with a with a woman who was a head coach in college hoops, and she said, enough was enough when I had players making more money than me. And that's yeah. a great point. <laughs> that's a damn good point. That's- because a lot of people don't realize that how much coaching is raising these student athletes, right? Yeah. You know, you get them when you're 18, when they leave, they're 22, they're completely different people. They're completely Yeah, everyone people. is. That's that's college. Yeah. So, you know, it's just you can't raise somebody when they're making more than you. You just can't. You know, find me a child actor that was making more than their parents and came out correctly. I, I would point to more idiots that have blown their money. Yeah. I, like Michael J. Fox is an example I can think of, but that's... I'm not going to say anything negative about Michael J. Fox. I, that man's my hero. But I will point to Lindsay Lohan. All right. Yeah, there's a lot more you can point to than <laughs> yeah. you can point against. Amanda Bynes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, so, yeah, it, that's frustrating. I wanted to bring that up on non-sports. I mean, next thing you know, we're going to be giving kids their own country or a private <laughs> island. 
I think Island is very possible. I think it's very likely. Yeah. All right. What did you want to bring up on the non-sports segment today? There was a very interesting story coming out of Richmond today. As, a, as a couple a local uh, story. decided to buy a rug, have it shipped to them. So they get the package, take out the rug. They don't like it. Go to put it back in the package. There's something alive in the box. What? That they find. Okay. They, they take it outside. It's a couple hundred to a thousand crickets sitting inside of this box. Hanging out. So they got the box out of their house, though. Yes. The crickets did not invade their house. It doesn't seem like. Uh-huh. But it, they were in... So the crickets were in egg cartons. And if you know anything about crickets, they, they use those to breed them and kind I of store them. That. Yes. Because uh, I have... Before I have purchased and shipped crickets, because I used to own a lizard, and that's what they eat. All right. This is a whole segment here. Why Why are you owning a lizard? I had, when I, in high just, school. Are you into exotic animals? In high school, I owned a bearded dragon. What? Yeah, it was great. What? You hear about that in movies. You <laughs> actually awesome. owned a bearded dragon. Yeah, his name was Nugget. He was great. I love Nugget. You love naming naming animals I told after you this. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And so... so was I, he... like? Could he bite people and stuff? He could. He yeah. tried to bite me every Did now you, and then. Really? Did you yeah. train him well? Not that great, but Did he you, would sit on my shoulder every now and then. Did you ever put him on a leash? No. Yeah. I didn't do that. He didn't yeah. seem like he would want a harness. You're a weird kid. <laughs> were you Were you a pothead? No. I mean, that sounds like something. I got really high, and I was like, yeah, I need a bearded dragon, man. I got it when I was 15. Yeah. That's... What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you get a hamster? Why didn't you I get a puppy? A, you know? I love lizards. So he was so cute. Really? Oh, he was this adorable. Is, I, mean, I love him. I mean, this is like... I, I don't know how I can go through the show knowing you owned a bearded dragon. <laughs> All right, so you've bought crickets before. Yeah, I bought crickets before. So clear, this seems like it was... It, someone had ordered crickets... And somehow the rug and the crickets came in the same box. Oh, really? So they, they called customer service for the rug thing. This is my favorite line from the article. It was a very cold conversation. Obviously, they were just reading from a script, Greg said. I'm assuming that the cricket situation probably wasn't on the script, and they didn't really know how to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so they called the customer service, said, hey, we got a cricket thing. And it sounds like the rug company had no idea what happened or how to deal That's with funny. it. That's funny. I'm, I'm looking at the article now. A Richmond couple says a package they ordered from Zara, or is it Zara? Zara, uh, arrived at their home with not only the rug they purchased, but multiple bags of live crickets. So you're right. Somebody definitely ordered crickets. Yeah. Otherwise, Howard, it's not like the crickets invaded the box. Right. It, it, the, the egg cartons wouldn't have been there Yeah. unless it was like a, like a packaged cricket thing. Yeah. So... I mean, what do you think about this situation here? <laughs> this is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, like, stuff happens all the time where, like, you maybe get some, like, Amazon will put everything in one package. So did they go to return the rug? Was that the deal? Or is this, there was cricket, you know, uh, dung all over it? I, I don't know. I, I think they looked at it and just didn't like it. Yeah. The crickets are being, like, they, they sent the crickets off to a pest expert to determine if they're... there's any diseases being carried by them, which oh. I doubt. Well, that's but a good they're getting point it checked right out, you know, because... Yeah, if that invaded your home, you got to yeah. double check. My goodness, this story has legs. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's so like wild. Like a couple thousand of them. Yeah. So has has Zara responded to this? It, it sounds like I haven't I, I didn't go in and see if their social media team has oh, said anything. Zara did respond. Okay. All right. Hello. As previously requested, please DM us, DM us through our customer support. That's always <laughs> That's the always, annoying take. Yeah. No, Zara, I'll keep it public so yeah, everybody can know what you're dealing with Let's talk with here. here. <laughs> uh, they said, DM the account Zara underscore care with your order details and contact information so we may review and assist. Guy said, I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they called in and it would just they. It sounded like they got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were talking to an AI customer service person. Maybe that's what happened. The now, cricket I will thing say, threw them off. I lose a little bit of respect for the couple 
they have a blue check mark on Twitter. They're paying that, you know for what Twitter. That does, you do lose I'm, a come, on yeah, come on now. I, I, wanna, I come was on like, now. oh, is he really verified? No. He's got 200 followers. He's paying for Twitter, which means his kid may have, may have uh, paid for crickets, and he didn't know about we that. We don't even pay for the station Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> 910 The Fan is not a blue check mark. <laughs> One day, maybe. We'll, we'll get verified. Uh, Michael Phillips is not even verified. How is that possible? There's the best writer we've got in the tri-state area. I think you can only get verified for free if you're a company. No, but you used to be able to get verified by just, like, typing in some information and you having your anymore. name in articles and websites. I don't think you can anymore. There's still a verification process, but it's it's hard. Yeah. That's why everyone's paying for check marks. I'm not. Yeah. But back to this couple, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, I would be so mad if that happened to me. If they got out, I would be, like... Still, I'd be frightened just, like, hearing them. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess me? I've dealt you're with not, crickets yeah, before. If you're not expecting a live insect... And then all of a sudden there's a thousand of them, I would be freaked out. I'd be yeah. freaked out. Yeah. I wouldn't buy from them again. I, I don't think that that is what the route I would take. I don't want to make this sad, but uh, what's the end of your Bearded Dragon story? Oh, uh, I, I moved to college, so I, I sent him off to like an exotic pet store. And then they, they said that they <laughs> shipped him off because he, like, he was like special looking, so they sent him off to Florida to breed. Really? Yeah. And so, like, do you have a tag on him or something? No, I don't. I don't did know. Did you ever what think about like you know tattooing his belly? So if you ever no, I did not think about that. <laughs> no, that's a good bet. We used to do that when we caught turtles. We'd put a don't little lipstick that. on the on the top of the shell there. Don't so do you, that. No, no, no. It doesn't no, hurt do them that. at all. It could. No. Well, then you, There's then chemicals you in lipstick. Well, then you recognize that you, it's your turtle three months later, and you're like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> Yurtle the turtle is back! Yurtle! You came back to me! Yurtle! <laughs> Gotta love Yurtle the turtle. One of the greatest child books ever. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan.